0: Awesome. Well, welcome to HR Doctors. My name is Brent. I am the owner of the Vancouver Express Employment Professionals Office and the Specialized Recruiting Group. We're a staffing recruitment company. A few years ago, we established and developed our core values, which are helpful, resourceful, driven, relentless, and sensible, which happened to work for the acronym of HRDRS, HR Doctors. We really feel that when we work with a client, or work with a job seeker, we really try to take that doctor, that partnership approach Uh, Years ago, we started producing content for businesses to help them understand what we do uh, to help the businesses hire, whether they use express or not. We wanted to share information to help businesses understand like what the secrets are, what the tricks are, what the process looks like. Anything that we do, if you don't have the ability to use an agency, uh, what are we doing so you can do it or do it better than what you're doing right now? And the same for job seekers. We really try to provide as much information on what us as HRC on our side of the table and share that information. And through doing that, we realize, and especially through the last couple of years with the pandemic, uh, that there is a disconnect between businesses and job Seekers, businesses have been impacted. It has become harder to hire, harder to retain. Uh, also, the people side of business, HR, has been has been thrown in businesses' face for a great reason. Uh, businesses had to pivot through the pandemic and 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 put their people first, and make sure they were doing everything they can to retain their employees, to take care of their employee well-being. And through all these challenges, it has created a disconnect and divide. In our opinion, it's become harder for job seekers to find jobs as businesses have implemented more strategic processes to make sure that they're getting a good fit. Um, you know, job seekers are going through many different challenges. And as such, our goal through the HR doctors is to highlight and share information, whether it's for the business, whether it's for the job seeker, and try to bridge that gap. Today I am joined by Lori. Lori is a strategic people and culture executive with 25 years experience in talent, culture, and belonging strategy and implementation. She's a certified co-active professional coach and has worked with 100 plus organizations across seven industries through the company that she co-founded called Spark Creations. To complete her 10 year journey with Spark, she conducted a two year study on workplace culture with 30 companies and 500 culture leaders. Lori is currently the head of HR North America West with DNEG, which is one of the world's leading visual effects and animation studios. Lori, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. To see <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, we connect with everybody before we have them on. And Lori, when you and I connected, one of the first things that really resonated that we were talking about is why it's so important to understand personal values and how those personal values apply to somebody finding a job, staying in a job, and also how those personal values tie into recruitment and retention.
1: Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> well, I think that if, um, well, you know, hi to everyone. Thank you so much for joining. And thanks again, Brent, for having me. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, if people know me and follow me on LinkedIn, they'll know that I talk a lot about core values. It's been something Uh, that I have been working on. It's a lifelong journey, but I discovered it probably about 15 years ago. So it's still fairly new-ish for me in my life. I wish actually I learned about core values and the power of core values in high school, because that would probably have helped me choosing, you know, uh, the school to go to and what career. Instead, I went and started working to kind of, you know, figure out what I want to do when I grow up type of thing. Um, So there's different ways, like if you don't know your values, you sort of just kind of live life and try to ask people for advice or try to do your own research, but values. So maybe I'll I'll start out by just defining what core values are. And then we'll talk about significance, about why it's so, so important to to, to know about it and talk about it and to live it in this day and age. Um, So values for me are, are ways to keep me aligned. When I know what I value most in my life or career, I can then make decisions that are aligned with me. And when you have complete alignment, then you're fulfilled. The opposite of not knowing your values is that you become lost. Should I take that job? Should I leave? You know, you know, you're, you know, should I make that move? Like you're still trying to figure out. And it's, it's hard. It just takes a little bit longer to come to that decision. You, you might have to look externally for those, um, for that uh, answer versus internally inside and just reflect on what you feel is most important to you. So having the values is almost like having a map and it's yeah. easier for you to go from point a to point b some people love to travel without a map you know they like the adventure and they'll ask you know this person on the corner of the street should i go to this place should i go to and it takes a little bit longer maybe there's a little bit more of a journey that way but if yeah. you want to have clarity you want to go from point a to point b more efficient more effective make those decisions um quicker Then knowing your values is going to support you so now how does that relate to the current world well, we're all still in a pandemic. Um, some people might say it's post-pandemic, um, but you know, I think in some other countries, depending on where you're calling from or listening from, you you might still be going into another lockdown. There's some countries that it's increased again. So, if you're in Canada and Vancouver, you know, we're a little bit more lucky. It's it's opened up a little bit more here. But regardless, some people are still, you know experiencing the aftermath of the pandemic, right? We're you're still feeling uneasy, uncertain, you know, it's not easy for all of us to just get over it automatically. Some people, maybe they have ways to, to do that, but some people it might still linger. So wherever we are, there's some, some feelings of doubt and fear that's still happening, you know, in, in our day-to-day. And because of that, there's still a lot of movement in, you know, in workplaces, right? Some people... Yeah. Maybe it took them a little bit longer to make that decision. You know, maybe I'll just hang in there while the pandemic's happening because, you know, you just never know. So now that it seems like it's getting better, you know, things are opening up maybe I'll apply for that position. So we're still gonna see a lot a lot of movement. Some people had more of that you know, risk, they're, they're okay with the risk and they'll jump and, and make a move or they'll, they'll still be more. So this great resignation or great reflection, however you wanna look at, look at it, is still gonna continue. Now the values is an important piece because imagine if you didn't know your values and you didn't know what mattered to you, then like you're going to always be confused. You might see someone do, you know, put in the resignation and take on a new job, and, you know, on Facebook or on social media, like, oh, should I, should I make that move? They look like they're so happy and they, you know, maybe I should join them too. And so you're easily influenced when you don't know what your values are versus if you know your values, you can see all those things happening in the world or within the organization, but you can then take a moment to reflect and go, well, what's really important to me?
0: Yeah. If I know There's, what's
1: important to me, then I can figure out whether this is the right place or maybe it's time for a move.
0: Yeah, you you touched on something that we hadn't discussed that I think is such an amazing point to dig into that like resonated so well with me which is like I'm the exact same way. I had no idea what I was doing at high school. I tried a whole bunch of different jobs and I love the path that I took and it led me here. But uh, I think it's like such an area where there's this great disconnect of kids coming out of high school, kids coming out of university. Uh, My wife and I have been together for 12 years. She had two boys from her previous marriage. They are 20 and 18 years old right now. And I totally see that with them and with their friends. And I'm specifically reminded I I was a non-parent volunteer hockey coach. And I remember driving one of my kids to the rink once who he was 18 years old. He's in grade 12. And we were driving as like, just having a conversation. Hey, what what are you, what are you thinking of doing? Like when you, when you graduate, and you could see the stress that came from that question where he's like, Oh my God, another adult asking me this question. I don't know the answer. I have no idea what I want to do. Everybody's like talking about going to university. And I know that's not right for me. And that's not what he said. He was like, he was like, Oh, you know what? I'm thinking about going into landscaping and trying this for the summer. And I said, Robbie, like do it, like you're such a hardworking kid, you're so driven, you're wicked smart, like go do that, try it, see if you like it, if you don't like it. But I think like that disconnect might even start as early there. And like, you know, I think you touched on such a great thing, having those values so early, I'm sure in hindsight, you wouldn't have changed your path, but if you had those values defined earlier, you might've got further quicker. Like do you think, you know, I'm assuming there's not a lot of like 18 year olds that are gonna be watching this, but maybe the parents, of those kids are watching like what do you think how could you like help those parents help their kids or help someone who's maybe watching this as a new grad. Because I think it's such an impactful thing that you touched on that's maybe lost about finding like finding it and how maybe you find those personal values to help you make those decisions as you start to go forward in your career.
1: yeah you know I think the reason why it's not really a common conversation to have in high school or for for parents, you know, trying their best to raise their kids is because it's not even a common thing for us as adults to talk about values. when When I used to do a lot of these sessions Uh, you know, at conferences, there was one conference where I had like 3000 people. And I asked every, you know, people put your hand up if you know what your values are. And I probably had about 10 people that put their values, uh, their hand up. And I thought, okay, well, I said, if you do know your values, would you know, could you stand up right now and actually share them with us? Because sometimes people just know intuitively what they value in life when you ask it in that way. But they haven't really articulated in words that would really know get them to think about it more often right it's just something that they feel so because it's not a common thing i wouldn't be surprised if it's not talked about you know from from parents to their kids or even in high schools because i know for sure we didn't talk about it at all and i think i only you know had the courage to not go from high school to university because you know, there was a lot of things going on with my family. So I, we just really couldn't afford it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to work first, because if I'm going to take that student loan, I better know what I'm going to be doing, because I'm going to do that investment, and I'm going to have to pay for it myself. So I think my advice for for parents is, is, you know, we don't want to overwhelm our our next generation by saying, okay, what are your values and like list it, You, you could start just having conversations about, okay, so when you think about, You know, the things that you love at school, like the topic, you know, the subjects that you love, what 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 are those subjects? What are some of the teachers or courses that you really like? And just have a conversation to get them to, you know, uncover or or bring bring to you know to light what they love and what they're passionate about. I know people kind of like, oh, I don't don't use the word passion, but you know, I think What I mean by that is that their interests, what they love, what brings them joy, what makes them smile, you know, what, what fills them up, you know, you know, when you see that when your kid is reading a book or doing something, they light up. And so maybe even noticing that and then saying, Hey, you know, you look like you're really engaged in this book or this movie. What's it about this movie or book that you really like? So just really leaning in a little bit more when you see your, your children light up. Cause that's that, what values are. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just uh, finished our most recent HR doctors podcast with a webcast with Clark Glassford, who helps executives and management level uh, job seekers help them find jobs. And the number one, first thing he digs into with them is what are their goals and what are their values to really understand and help them understand. And again, most of the people don't even know. So it's like, it's, it's just, I don't know, kismet that you bring it up that it's obviously such an important thing. I almost feel that like the schools should have their own like core values that they like, you know, bring to the table, just as a business we do to impart on the students, how important it is to, to kind of identify like what you want to do. And that it's maybe not so important that you figure out like what the job is you want to do, but just whether it's your personal life, your flexibility, the type of work you want to do, like that you start going down that path. And I know it's really tough, but I think there'd just be some great value in it. I don't know how we can how we can funnel that down. But anyway, some great stuff for, for parents to potentially uh, to potentially take away. You, before I sidetracked us, you were talking about how like the pandemic had changed things, how important values are through that, about how, you know, there's all this talk of the great resignation and how that's impact impacting things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you don't mind, if, if, it, is there more to, to kind of share about how the values tie ties into those?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the the pandemic the, the benefit of the pandemic if we were like to to see what was good that came out of it is that people actually paused and and to breathe and to really you know think about what's most important in their lives that's that's really one of the one of the things that came out of one of the positive that came out of the pandemic because pre pandemic we were all kind of go 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 right everything felt really busy there was a lot of already burnout and mental health issues before the pandemic. And then of course it accelerated and tripled or you know, went so much more than what we've experienced. Um, so I think the pause really allowed people to figure out what's important to them. And that's why there is the great resignation of people leaving or making some moves is because they're realizing, you know what, now that I'm working from home, or if they did a hybrid situation, um, you know, I, I am spending way more time with my kids. And I'm spending more time at home. And I actually really like not having to commute that I didn't know that that was a big deal for me. Or it could be the other way around where people feel like, you know what, I real really know now that I need to be in an office. So regardless of where you fit in on the spectrum, you just know what you value because of this forced experience, collective experience that we all had to go through. So I think now knowing, knowing that that has happened, the values, whether they talked about it as values or not, that pause right. was them thinking about their values because they had to right. think about which friends do I want to spend time with? <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of relationships that we couldn't spend time and we realized if we're gonna go out there you know, with a mask and make the effort? Like, is it going to be people that are really going to lift us up? Or is it going to be people that are just acquaintances? So it it just sort of um, let us look at everything in our lives. And then we just really want to then see and and use those values as a way to make decisions now going forward that really is meaningful for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, like, I'm, you know, I, I think obviously lots of things changed. And whether it's Values or just like you said, it's been thrown in their face, and they've now started realizing things they don't do or don't like, whether it ties to values or just you know the flexibilities, the the shift that's happened where employers have been forced to be more competitive in the landscape. Uh, one of the things you talked about is like values and finding a job,
1: because mm-hmm. I can
0: see I can see like easily how you tie in the values to the, the the Great Resignation, where people are all of a sudden going like, you know what, I didn't even know it before. And I maybe don't even know what my values are, but I know that there's a misalignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from like an individual's job search, how how like I guess important is it for somebody to uh, I guess really dig into those values to make sure that they're like starting their search off right?
1: Yeah, well, if you define values as you know how we work, it's the behaviors, how we show up, um, you know it's how we make decisions. Um, if you if you kind of define it as those types of elements, whether it's in a company like a big corporate values, um, or even a community, or with yourself, if you don't have that clarity, what happens then is that when you apply for a job, and if both parties, both the company and the team member or the potential employee are really unsure about those things, then what happens is that you kind of like are feeling your way through it okay I, I feel there's a connection here but you know I'm not quite sure but I think I like what that person said I think they seem like they they look like they're you know a great team from the pictures <laughs> you know and, and and what I'm seeing on the job description so then you just you just kind of okay I'm just going to go for it then you take the job and then three months into it you start to get to know each other because the behaviors start to come out and especially under pressure, you start to see how really people work with each other and make decisions. And if they're not aligned, then what happens is there's gonna be conflict. It's, it's gonna show up really easily. Maybe it starts to feel like you're frustrated. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's some irritation to what's going on. Maybe there's certain decisions that are being made that, um, you know, they bother you, but you can still live with it, but eventually it might, you know, start to become something. So. If you know your values going into it and the company also is able to articulate it, whether they put it on their website or not, you can still ask them, like, you know, how does the com- what's the company's vision? Like, how do they operate? You know, what makes a great team? What's what's great leadership? Like what how do you find your leadership philosophy within your organization? If you can answer those questions and you share that and you feel there's a little bit, there's an alignment there, then it's it's much more of a connection. There's more opportunity for it to be a successful partnership. Because it's yeah. still a partnership between an employee and a manager or a company. It's still a partnership. You know, the company has to, you know, work just as hard to impress the team member as well as the team member. It's not just you know one way. So that's why it's so important for me anyway that you have some kind of values alignment. And values alignment to me is different than when people say culture fit. Because I think culture fit is like, I'm trying to fit in with your values of your company. I want to look and feel like I want to be like your team member versus if you do values alignment, I know my values, that's a team, that's the company's values. How do they align? But let's still honor each other, but but also support each other in how we view the world.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I... As an external staffing and recruitment company, we're often asked whether it's by our clients or our candidates or even new internal employees when they come in, like where, where our, I guess, like alignment is and who ultimately is our client. And I always say it's both, you know, like it truly is about us finding a good partnership. And, and I always say that, uh, you know, our, our clients get 50% of, of the scale of balance, the, the, the job seeker, the candidate gets 49% and we get 1%. And if I could give it 50, 50 to both, I would, but it wouldn't be a realistic representation of what the truth is because we obviously get compensated when we make a placement, but we have to truly look at it as if we don't. And of course the client's the one that's paying our bills, So that's why I give them that extra 1%. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's no value for us as an agency in placing someone in a job where things aren't aligned, where we can get paid today, because we won't get paid again tomorrow. You know, somebody's gonna end up leaving that job, the client's gonna be dissatisfied. The last thing I wanna do is like negatively impact somebody's career, their well-being, you know, their financial situation. And so it's so, I mean, again, our first core value is helpful, and our core value itself is helpful and selfless. And I really say to our team, like, yes, we get paid and yes, we have commission, but you can't go into it looking to get paid. You have to go into it fully objectively. What are you looking for? What are your values? What are the choices and behaviors you've made? What's important to you in your next role? What does this company bring to the table? And if those things align, then great. Let's put those people together. Let's really like share information on both sides. So both sides know what the other's looking for. And if that ends up resulting in a partnership, then fantastic. And if it doesn't, then great. I don't care whether we find that out in like the first five minutes of a call or if it's after interview seven, and we decide that it's not a fit or someone decides it's not a fit so much better than moving forward in an opportunity where you don't know what alignment is and i think you also nailed something else in the head which is like the job search the interview process to me it is truly a partnership and the job seeker needs to understand that they have just as much control even if in an interview the interview is the one asking most of the questions to begin with like you can ask as many questions as you want to there's nothing holding you back and i really feel whether it's in your first second third however many interviews you there are that that like candidate, that job seeker, that applicant really takes stake and ownership of the process and and knows what their goals and knows what alignment looks like for them and truly looks to see if there is alignment there to make sure that it's a good fit. And I would always coach somebody to like decline an offer or move away from a company and wait even if it is really, really hard to do to find that right company that truly does align, because then you'll avoid what is ultimately going to happen, which is turnover, dissatisfaction, all those different things, which, you know, then puts you in a reactive situation versus proactive. So I, I think those are just like such impactful statements that you made about like how important it is and why, like, again, how it truly needs to be a partnership. I, I, I couldn't agree more.
1: You know, I just, as you were talking, I had another example. Cause I, 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 I tend to use dating as an example when you're recruiting and finding a job. Same here, <laughs> love it. Oh, so here's how values work. If you if you know your values, you can skip the honeymoon stage. Right. Because the honeymoon stage is like you're still trying to impress each other, or you're like dating. Everyone but as has soon best as, behavior. Yeah, after that ninety days, you know, you you kind of like okay, this is really who we are and how we're going to move forward in this relationship. You can have that you can get through that faster and that then build that trust faster. If you, if you, if you know your values and you know the values of the company and it's, it's easier to make that connection.
0: Yeah. Do you want to get, you know, when that job offer comes, like you're getting married, do you really want, do you really want to get to that stage? And yet you haven't asked the questions and like gone through those, you know, those dates, those interviews to like assess and see truly if there's a fit between you and what are your short term and long term goals and who, who are going to be the other people in the house living with you and I, 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 I always use that analogy, because I think it rings so true. And then yeah. you wouldn't do that without without like exploring all avenues and really making sure you know what you're getting into because it truly is a partnership that is hopefully going to last for for a really long time.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: How do you think so we talked about on like the job seeker side Mm -hmm. uh we also tied in before i mean obviously uh, you know shared on the recruitment side but yeah in terms of recruitment and retention in your eyes like how how do the values tie in and why are they so important for for the business
1: yeah so on the recruitment so you know i think that when companies understand uh what their values are and they can clearly articulate it then you know they don't need to necessarily you know put it on the wall like I said, right? Like sometimes you, you do all of that and it, it just you know backfires you if you're not really living those values and, and embody those values. So the way we where I've you know recommended for companies to to you know integrate the values is that you use the language but it's not just in your job descriptions or job postings as you're you know sharing the job but it's also in the experience. So for example if connection was one of your core values as your company how are you connecting with the candidate from the moment that they you know see a job ad to the the way that they're connecting when they walk in if they're if you if you have an office or maybe it's on zoom like if connection is one of your core values how does that look throughout the experience of someone going through recruitment performance management whichever whichever right so there's there's a way to sort of embody it even more in the in the behaviors right how does that show up in all those areas so that's recruitment i mean but you can integrate that in performance management you can integrate that in your onboarding experience so it, there's so many different ways and that then links to retention because onboarding is so important in the beginning of the relationship you know and the way they go through the employee life cycle so you want to integrate those values in every type of experience and just put yourself in their shoes do a design thinking session and 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 use empathy right you put yourself fiber to go through the life cycle right from the moment they go through attraction they're hearing more about your company through the recruitment through the onboarding, through the development, you know, engagement, and then finally separation, you know, how is it that those values are experienced at a personal level for each team member and of course the leaders, cause it starts with the leaders and how are they then leading from those places?
0: Yeah, so interesting. I mean, I'm gonna sound like a broken record on some of these because some of these shared experiences are like so relevant, but I remember when my business partner and I first went to Express head office, And we're exploring the opportunity whether or not we were going to get into into business with them. Uh, My business partner asked the person that was giving us a tour what the core values are. And they happened to be standing in front of a poster that had the core values on it. And they didn't know what they were. And they're like, I think it's integrity and this and that. And he kind of just laughed like, you know, this is a head office with 300 people. You know, this person, you know, was, was, uh, you know. could have been something where it was really critical in the job or not but i also just recently had a conversation with a client of ours it was with a a new manager and i asked about values because we always ask because that's how we frame our questions and try to find alignment and he said core values are absolutely something we have here and i'm like is that something like that lives day to day and he's like it's literally in like all of our communication it's tied into everything and i said is that something you've always had in your career he said absolutely not it's the first company and it makes my job so much easier. He's like, as a manager, when I hire new employees, the core values are tied into the new hire packages. It's communicated from all like corporate communication. Everything is tied into the values. It makes, you know, problem solving. It makes coaching, training, performance management, onboarding, everything so, so much easier.
1: It, it makes it unified, right? Yeah. Like So if you are an employee going through that you're like, Oh, it's like, it's repeated everywhere you go. It's, it's so prevalent, right? So you can't forget it. And, and the thing about values, I know, you know, there's talk about, well, there's, it's on the wall and how do you bring it forward? You still have to have it on the wall. You still have to have it visible because you can't make something real for yourself if you don't even know it. So you still have to come up with some language that people kind of understand and connect with that they can then, you know, articulate it in their own words. But the moment they start talking about it, they will start to believe it and start to you know embody it and that's that's the thing that i feel sometimes it gets missed or like oh well you don't want to just be all talk well no you you still have to talk about it you know just like you're learning a different language and all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh i'm speaking french but you have to practice the language and the the language is key to creating culture and that's why some companies have their own language but it's the way they connect and communicate with each other
0: yeah Yeah, I mean, again, our core values being the HR doctors, Mm -hmm. like we use it as a massive part of our interview process when hiring internal team members. It is our second slash third interview. And we literally do a 30 to 40 minute behavior based interview on, okay, our first core value is helpful. And I literally read out the full core value to them. And I say, you know, I want to know about a time where you did something helpful and selfless. And I'll give them an example. Like, You know, someone's driving down the street, there's an elderly person that needs help. And you just throw the hazards on, stop your car and you help them cross. Like no one made you do it. You know, it's different than say, if you're at your job working somewhere and someone asks you for something and you go a bit above and beyond sure. It's still a great example, but I literally go through each of our core values, read them off, give the context, why it's important to us, get them to share those examples with me. Uh, And, and it's like a critical part of our hiring. And also, again, as an agency, I really ask these questions and it's probably not as well defined with the clients uh, that I'd like it to be. And, you know, a lot of companies have them, but I always ask, like, if I ask, you know, one or two of your employees, would they know what they are, you know, do they live them? And some clients are like a hundred percent call anybody right now, ask them what they are. Everybody, including our receptionist to our, you know, CFO, everybody should like know them. And other client, other companies were like, they're a thing and most of them would know, but it's maybe not like an everyday thing. Um, and yeah, I just feel like you you nailed it on the head. It's critical in my opinion to getting that alignment on the front end and then critical to like maintaining that alignment on the back end through your coaching, your onboarding, your training, your performance management, your, you know, how do we solve problems? Like we use our core values. If we're dealing with like, Hey, we've got this client, here's a situation. How do we, how do we deal with it? We're having a hard time. We look at the, we look at the core values on the wall and go, I don't know. Like, is, is there an answer there? Like, does, does the answer exist? We just don't know it yet how do we get there? Like, I, I just feel like they're, are like these tools that can unlock like such great potential in the business.
1: Definitely. Definitely. can be very aspirational and it drives um, and motivates people. You
0: mentioned that you even go through exercises of how to help people like find their values or help businesses. Like, what does that look like? You talked about maybe, maybe going through something with me.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean it's always fun to to <laughs> to do the demo so people can on the hot seat. Yeah, okay. So there's there's a couple of ways. I mean, there's there's so the first thing that's the hardest thing to do for for any of us when we're going through, you know, any type of um, personal development training, when you're taking the time to learn more about yourself, which is always scary because you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to uncover? Right. You have to, you know, take the time to understand your values, your strengths, you know, what triggers you, you know, what gl- what what, your, what glimmers you. There's a new one now that I'm, I'm hearing nice. the All opposite right. of the opposite of, of triggers. Sure. And. Really, the foundation of it is that you you want to curate create space for you to um, have some reflection because the the questions that we tend to ask in this particular exercise um, takes time for you to really you know think about it. You can't just like be watching TV and doing it at the same time. You really need a quiet space. Um, maybe even go for a walk and you know think about what's most important to you. And there are some questions that you know we could go through today. Which is um, some simple questions could be you know what makes you smile? What's one of your proudest moments in life? Um, you know, w- w- what, describe a time when you come alive. You know, it's these kinds of reflective questions that will help to uncover what you value. Because here's the here's the here's the key part of this. Brent is that we. As humans tend to speak about what we value from the way we share stories, the way we mm. respond to questions. So if you, if I were to ask you a question about what's your proudest moment in life or what's the most challenging moment in your life, you could tell me two different stories, but you will speak about what's most important to you um, of those stories. And what I would do is listen to the themes mm. of your stories to go. Okay, you know doesn't have to be the exact words, but what I felt from your stories of the themes of what you shared is that family is really important to you. Right. Or, you know, um, helping people is really important to you. Whatever, 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 right? Like We we would start and I would then, after asking you a series of questions, would relay back what I heard as themes and those words could be a combination of or certain one, one word, you know, you popcorn different words. You start to write those words down and I like to write them, on sticky notes, so one word per right. sticky, like little stickies, and then you put it on a wall and you start to theme it, and you theme it into by first words of of association or meaning. Um, I try to say try to go with three columns, and if 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 you want, you can go to maybe five. No one really remembers more than five. You can try. Right. I've had someone go up to 10. I'm like, okay, if you remember 10 (laughs) and you can communicate that consistently, good for you because I can't. So, you know, three is a good number. And um, you then then after you've come up with those columns, you pick the one word that best describes that column. And it might be a word within that column or it could be a new word. So I'm going through it really fast. But what we could could do is just do a really quick demo and I will ask you a question that you don't know could be one of the ones I've already sure. mentioned or could be completely different um and then for about 60 seconds you know I won't time you just share with me sure how how what your what your response is to that and yeah. it could be anything okay so we're putting every we're, everyone's watching we're putting you on the spot this Fire is away. real we, this is real we're not practicing uh, and then when you, after you share your story that everyone's going to hear, I'm going to share with you what I heard, and people will see how I'm able to pull out your values from this one question. Sure. And then now when you know this, you can listen to people how they talk. We ask them about anything. You'll kind of hear what they really focus on when it comes to explaining that story. Mm-hmm. So the question I'm going to ask you is, describe a time when you come alive.
0: Describe a time when I come alive. Uh... Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, every single Saturday I golf with the same three guys, there's a good group of like 15, 20 or more, but, uh, the same three guys I golf with every single Saturday. And I think golf is definitely one of those things that I really enjoy doing. I love, you know, the, the getting up early on the Saturday, having some purpose the like healthy competition, the you know, the the four hours spent with my like best friends, you know, the competition of trying to, you know, win, be the best that day, but also how like each holds its own individual competition. But then really at the same time, as much as I'm very like competitive and take my game very seriously, like the best part's just like making fun of each other and laughing and the moments where we've, you know, someone's done something stupid out there and had like the Gatorade come shooting out of their nose, or you just laugh at each other and you know, celebrate the big wins and laugh at the funny stuff. And you have your moments of frustration too, where maybe you get to take out some anger. But I just think it's like this like amazing little snapshot of just like life in itself but I find it's this it's definitely like a part of my life that I would have a really hard time if it wasn't something that was in it
1: oh that's awesome you were smiling the whole time when you were sharing <laughs> 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 thank you for for uh sharing that so th- some of the words that I felt that you value from that one particular story and, and if we were if we had more time I'd ask you a series sure. of questions or you would you would write those answers for yourself and then kind of look for the themes on your own, if you were to do it on your own, but it's so much more fun when you do it with a partner or even with a family, you do one by one and and then everyone sort of is going to do what I do. They popcorn, you know, what they heard. And then that person just receives all these words and they could put it on their stickies. So the words that came up for me when I heard your story was relationship, friendship, um, play, uh, fun. You know, I know you said competition a lot, but I felt that was more, about like achievement, um, connection, um, you know, adventure, freedom. So those are the words that I would kind of start with. And then you mm-hmm. could add some of those words that you that you feel are important to you. And then you just start to look at those words and theme it. And so when I say those words, um, what what has come up for you? Are they are they resonating? Are, they, are there? Am I totally off track? <laughs> yeah, hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%, 100%. yeah. yeah I, I think it all ties in. I mean, I, I think those like relationships, that those friendships, like, are all super important. And I definitely, uh, I mean, you, before you mentioned a couple of potential questions that came up, and I really think, like, you know, I actually practice a lot. I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into it. And to me, the like mm-hmm. achievement at the end of it is a really like rewarding piece like I tie that into you know like the relationships with my family where we put a lot of investment into that and success we have there the relationship or the investment into the business and some of my, my other like endeavors but it's more like just feeling the sense of like accomplishment that comes in the back end but then the relationships you make it along the way for sure all that stuff like absolutely mm-hmm.
1: And there was yeah. more, even right now, as you shared, there was more words that came up, right? Yeah. And, you know, like you, you'll you be able to listen to this recording and I would I would encourage you some inspired action is to write the words that both of us sort of share and start to theme it and see which, you know, what are some common themes? And then that will be the start of you uncovering your values. But, you know, I know when we talked about this earlier, the values of your company is probably very similar to your values. So mm-hmm. it would be cool to kind of do this exercise as well because you've made these values now your company values but maybe it is still you because you are the founder so like it it, that's usually what happens with with founders is that the company values are usually the founders values that are you know communicated so yeah so that's kind of how you would do it so I think like for parents friends people on dates like this is a fun thing to do (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to each other. I, I was gonna say, especially on the personal side, uh, I, I love sharing this story because I, I I read, I don't know if you're familiar with Cam Harold and uh, his Vivid Vision book. He was the founder co-founder, not co-founder, I think he was employee 14 with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, helped take them from 14 to like 3,100 employees, yes. you know, a couple million to 100 million business. And he wrote a book, Vivid Vision, which was their painted picture on how they kind of visualized what the business was going to be. He talked about getting out to nature. Mm-hmm. And one day after over a year of me going through like vision exercises and core value exercises to try to find that like alignment, what our business was, I hadn't got it figured out. I didn't know what our vision and mission was. And I was having a real hard time. I feel I'm a very like unimaginative person. I'm not a creative. I'm not an artist. I'm not any of those things. And his book was like, get out into nature, bring a, like an actual, like, you know, a piece of paper and a pen or a notebook and like get out somewhere. And actually this is in the middle of COVID. I went to a golf course that was closed and I pulled up a fold up chair and it was pouring rain. And I sat under the cover of a golf course, which was like my happy place. And sat there for hours writing down all the different bits and pieces. And so, truly, you mentioned before, like, get away from it, go somewhere where you can, like, escape. But what I was gonna ask you a little bit of hot seat, you don't have to, you know, say yes of what the answers are. But, you know, if later on, are there, like, links or websites or places that people can go to kind of get some of these questions that we might be able to add later where they can kind of, like, find those resources to act themse- ask themselves those introspective questions? Like, do you have anything like that we could add later on?
1: I could definitely put something together and 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 share that with you. I'd love um, to do that. Yeah, it's you know this is this is it's so funny that you're asking because there's not really a lot of books out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, who that that have you know the the process of un- uncovering your values or defining values and because it's such a big thing for me, I, I've been thinking about mm, maybe I should write a book about yeah. it. <laughs> Just <laughs> because I I I'll, every time I talk about it, I get asked the same thing. And what I've done before when I had Spark Creation my previous companies, we created these, um, value cards sure. and sure. the value cards, they had three levels to it. It was for corporate companies where if they had, once we helped them define their values, we gave them a deck of cards and it was a great way for them to sort of integrate their values. So, you know, I've already got some of this content that I just need to sort of figure out, but I'm happy to share it. You know, yeah, even if right there's out, some filler
0: yeah. questions or something <laughs> we can add on there, I just think there'd be yeah. some, like, such great actionable takeaways. For sure. Uh, yeah. This has been great. I know there's like some, we could probably talk about this for like 15, 20 more minutes, but there's a couple other really great questions I want to dig into you okay. or dig in with you. Uh, one of the things we talked about in our previous conversation, and I think it's so like relevant. I was talking with you even about before we got on this call that I was like feeling burnout myself. And I didn't know if it was because of, you know, like I've got a vacation coming up. And is it just because I see like the light at the end of the tunnel and, I'm, you know, getting tired? Or is it because I was actually dealing with all these other crazy things on my plate? And you talked about beating burnout with compassion, which I thought was such like an amazing like thing to hear. I hadn't heard of it before. Can you uh, elaborate on 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 how that's something that you've implemented?
1: Yeah. Well, are you familiar with the concept of compassion? Is that something that you've heard before? In the I mean, word? I know
0: the word <laughs> compassion. I don't know if there's maybe a concept and. What uh, What
1: does it mean to you, compassion? Uh I mean, I think like. I mean,
0: my loaded answer would be something around like emotional intelligence and just like, yes. you know, listening to people from a disc assessment perspective, for those that know disc, I'm like a high D as you could possibly get on a scale of hundred. I was like a 92 yeah. and on the S which is the emotional supportive side. It was like a six. So right. I'm like very non like emotional on the way that I do business. And I'm very like aware of it. And I've shared with my team that I'm a low mm-hmm. S and I work very hard to say, Hey, I'm probably doing a really terrible job of delivering this message. You being maybe a high S yes, and probably taking this the wrong way. It is not my intention. How can we communicate better? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, that would be that like emotion that like that people first that can. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be my. my yeah, it, it,
1: it definitely is along the lines of of emotion, for sure, and and connection. So um, I love the definition that Jeff Weiner, who was previously the CEO of of LinkedIn, and he did, he's done a lot of talks around compassionate leadership. And that's actually, he was one of the first people that I learned about it, kind of like on a commercial side of things as he was featured on Oprah. And so I couldn't help. I watched Oprah um, a lot. And, um, but it goes back to like the Dalai Lama too. And it gets very, you know, Buddhist and um, meditation mindfulness. Like they use a lot, they talk a lot about compassion. And the way he defines compassion is that it's um, empathy plus action. So it's our ability um, to, When you're just purely focused on empathy, you can put yourself in someone's shoes, but if you don't have a a boundary to it, then you can, you can really, you know, be with them and then you feel so heavy as, you know, with whoever's, you know, feeling a certain way versus you can, if, if it's compassion, you can still, you know, you can still feel what they're feeling, but there is this sort of objective layer where you can at least, you know, notice it and then be able to action on it. Because if we're we're stuck with them, then we can't move forward. But if we could feel what they're feeling compassionately, we can still then, you know, support them and, and take action. That's why it's empathy plus action. And why that's so important right now, especially if we're going through burnout. So there's again different types of burnout, different levels. So, you know, it, it shows up differently, but you know, there's a general theme that it's it's you know, stress or over overwhelm, like it's feeling like there's just a lot g- going on and we're not able to you know, to, you know, make decisions or, or move forward. So wherever, wherever we are, whatever level of burnout you are, when you're feeling compassion, you, if you use and practice compassion, then you're able to then support yourself and others. So I think about compassion as two things, as well as leadership, right? If you want to lead someone else, you need to also lead yourself first, right? you got to fill your own cup, You got to put that oxygen mask on yourself in order to be, it's the same thing with compassion. Mm. So self-compassion is basically what we just talked about as it relates to values. It's self-reflection. It's taking the time to listen. It's really taking care of yourself. If you make a mistake or you're feeling, you know, you you, you failed or whatever, you're noticing those words that are coming up for yourself and you're being kind. You're like saying, okay, I'm being self-compassionate. I know it was hard or I made a mistake but that's okay. It's not me. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not shame. I'm feeling shame. Right. And then um, when you're then compassionate for others, compassion is really the root word of that. The, the root Latin, Latin uh, root word for that is suffering. We're all kind of suffering together. Mm -hmm. So um, if you know that as that kind of higher fundamental, you know, meaning of that, if we're all suffering together, um, the only way that we're going to get through this is if we're doing it together. So asking for support, being vulnerable, that's really being compassionate or noticing if someone is needing some support, you know, and, and then you're able to, but you can't even notice that, Brent, if you're stuck in your own thing. So that's why the self-compassion is important as well.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I've, I'm, I've got a terrible short-term memory and I've just been totally paying attention, not taking notes. Was it it was empathy and action. Were those yeah, empathy, empathy
1: plus action. So you, you want to be able to put yourself in their shoes, understand what, you know, understand what they're going through. But then you're able to action, meaning you can help that person or right. that situation.
0: Yeah. And like what, I don't know if it's if it's something that you, you're able to share, but is there an example of how like from a company standpoint that like a, a specific situation or something where the company is beat that you know burnout of their team or an individual by taking those two pieces and having that empathy but also being part of the solution.
1: I mean I could just share with you kind of my own personal sure. experience because I am a leader. I've got six people on my team. Um, so it's 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 so that first of all this is not easy to do, right? Because our, our default is to you know, work, 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 get busy, problem solve, you know, try to do everything. It's hard for us to say no, all those, you know, normal things. So, so just want to make sure everybody knows that this is not like something that just came easy for me. I've been working on this a lot by taking the time, you know, to, you know, meditate or exercise or sleep, you know, there's always the basics of your physical before you can even look internally. So there's a lot of different steps to, you know, alleviating burnout, but let's just say, you know, I started taking care of myself, um, when, so there was a time when i started this job where in the first three months even though i knew all of these concepts and i taught it before coming to this job i got lost in it and it was the pandemic the heart of the pandemic and so everyone was working remotely i was i started remotely and you know i was trying really hard to connect with my team and then i i kind of got caught up with just working a lot and sending emails on the weekends and you know doing all those things that you're not supposed to do like if you're leading by example and then I you know had somebody notice for me oh my gosh Laura like, you gotta really you know check in because it seems you know you don't seem okay and are you okay you know and just making sure and in that moment luckily I had someone who, who noticed it and was able to say that to me I, I basically you know checked in with myself and said, OK, I something's got to change. I started creating a morning ritual where I was working out every day, drinking water, and really started taking care of myself. And I even asked for support of my team. So this is how a leader can do it. I asked support of my team, and I said, you know, team, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. And I'm sorry if I feel like I'm, you know, I've been distracted in meetings. I'm not fully present. Here's what's happening, but I am now going to do this. And I need you to hold me accountable. And one of them said, well, why don't we meditate together? Or why don't we do this? And, you know, everybody sort of popcorn solutions for me and our team. And now fast forward, you know, my team is so, um, Communicative about how they're, you know, where they're, how they're feeling in the moment. So, like, if they're feeling overwhelmed, they're not afraid to say, "Hey, I need some, I need the afternoon to just be on a deep work or just do not disturb so I can get caught up." Or, I'm feeling a little bit tired. Could I take a little bit of time off early so that I could, you know, take care of myself? Before that wouldn't happen because they're all trying to prove themselves, you know, they're trying to work hard, especially when we're in remote and I'm not, we're not seeing each other. But now we've got this really close, safe, you know, um, com- you know, community, a team where we feel we can ask for support. And it all started with me taking that first step to show my vulnerability. Awesome.
0: Awesome. I love it it ties so well into like the third question that we talked about, which is like, who's HR for HR and who checks in uh, on like on leadership. And as I mentioned, I was feeling a bit of burnout the other day. And even in just listening to that, um, like share that you just opened up about, it made me think that like, you know, part of me really enjoys like I've, we've grown. I'm not working out of our boardroom because I've worked myself out of a desk as we've grown. And it like makes me feel awesome every day when my team walks by the boardroom door and says, Hey, Brent checks in and just says, Hey, how you doing? And when they leave, I get the same thing. At the same time, like part of me feels like I don't want to burden them with like my problems because like, it's my job to be the leader. It's my job to be the tough guy. It's my job to like, you know, be a duck and everything can roll off my back and I can take everything and you know, lead by example. And yet, like, I think it's probably at the same time a failure to like, not maybe be vulnerable and open with them and let them help me and that I'm not alone on this like leadership island and that they probably all would really get great fulfillment from helping. But there's this like, I guess, dynamic that I fight with of like, if I'm open, does it show that I'm weak? Does that mean I'm not as strong as a leader? Does that create like a lack of alignment? Am I no longer the person they want to work for? You know, like there's just so many like things that go through my head. So, yeah, I mean, again, the topic was like HR for HR and you as the, you know, the leader of HR, you know, also I know you you do check-ins with with like the executive team and, and different stuff like that. So I, I just remember it being such a great topic when we talked about how it resonated so much with what you just you talked about. If, yeah, if, if if where does that send you?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's fitting because I just shared that example, right? And mm. first of all, Brent, this is normal for people to think the way that you think. I still think that sometimes as well. I sometimes hesitate to to like share how I'm really feeling. Cause I'm thinking if they think that I'm overwhelmed, will they then not ask me questions or right. think they're bothering me? Um, and well, so they won't be they, open.
0: They won't be open and honest because they well, don't wanna burden you with their problem.
1: Exactly, right? Yeah. And the, and so when I did do what I did though, what, what was surprising was the opposite. Yeah. What happened was, yeah, I did give them the gift of helping. Yes, they were able to help me, but it also gave them permission to sit to know that it's okay if they're not okay Mm. and that's that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing because if you seem like you're super person super leader all the time that's not that's not a good that's not a good message to say to them as well if they say okay well brent is human and he is also going through the same struggles they're going to connect with you so much more. They're going to right. relate to you so much more. And that trust will be like, oh, you know, I can't believe, and I'll give you an example. I heard about this story, you know, again, even,
0: it, even they could be human too. Well, yeah, right? it's, like, it's, yeah. Good
1: for, it's okay. For, it's okay now for all of us to be human, which is right now we have to be in this world, right? It's, yeah. it, we're forced to be human. We're all, you know, most of us are still working from home and we're seeing that it's not just the person that used to walk into the office and put a mask on it's like somebody at home and i'm here and their family's here you know so it's time for a more human workplace i guess is what i'm trying to say and i'll just give you a really yeah, quick example yeah, sure. um again this is hearsay i wasn't there but this is a real story because i you know heard howard schultz talk about it he's he's the founder of starbucks he basically shared a story with oprah a while back where he was talking about the values because I guess people had maybe forgotten about the values and you know he was so he brought everybody in a room together and he's actually back again into, into the company but he while he was talking about it he said he got he, he got really vulnerable and he started to cry and he, you know he's a man and, you know in his 50s like right, you know he's thinking why am I doing this in front of you know thousands of people at Starbucks. And he said the most amazing thing happened when he opened up that way. People were just so much more connected with him and he got so many messages and people like really trusted him more because they saw this leader, a CEO founder get emotional. And I'm not saying that we're supposed to cry all the time, but what I'm saying is that if it does happen, don't, don't be ashamed of it. And it's okay to be vulnerable because vulnerability is a strength. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's.
1: Just watch per, the power of vulnerability, Brene Brown, like I watch that over and over again because it's she's done the research she this is this is real for us to even feel compassion. We need to be vulnerable, the people who are most wholehearted people. And accept and love themselves are people who have the ability and courage to be vulnerable. Like you have to put yourself out there and not be afraid that someone's going to, you know, criticize you or say something. Oh, you're you're too, you're you know you're you're a weak leader or you're too soft. I've been told before that you know oh Lori you know maybe you talk about love a lot that you're a soft leader. Maybe you can't make a hard decision when it's time to let go of someone. I'm like that has nothing to do with me being compassionate or being a loving leader. I'm just going to do it in a way that allows that person to still have their dignity, to still feel cared for at the end of their service with us.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think like as a, as like an entrepreneur, as a business owner, small business owner, I, I can't speak if it's the same for executives, but I assume it's probably really similar, but it almost feels like sometimes that's the job we've signed up for. You know, like it's my job to like carry this burden and to carry that cross and to like, you know, to it's what it's it's what I signed up for. It's that that's the reason why I'll reap the rewards later on when we've built this amazing thing. And, you know, like it's different. And at the same time, I feel like as leaders, it's our job to lead by example. And that if we want that vulnerability from our team and we want that openness and yet we don't practice it ourselves that, you know, how can you expect it of them? And like you you totally you know, open my eyes to like, Oh my God, this must be like a glaring weakness of mine because I feel again, as a low S I'm very like, I think guarded about my emotions in my business and with my team, partially because I don't want to get like hurt, you know, like I don't want to, you know, like, you know, be really open and honest and then have that come back and burn me. But you know, the opposite, I'm also not like allowing my team to help. Right. So it's, very impactful man I, I feel like i have so much homework to do now which is awesome uh, it's awesome uh, yeah yeah um wow amazing i also think the last piece in there that we talked about that i think mm-hmm. is a really great last point to touch on was the presenteeism aspect mm-hmm. you know you and i shared a story about how that also changed through COVID and how we look at like the mentality that used to really exist or the stories that we'd hear from friends who worked in law firms or worked in the accounting firms as they were going through their articling process and how, you know, if you didn't spend a day sleeping at your desk and you know, you're burning the midnight oil. And even still to this day, I had a client job order I took the other day where they said like, yeah, it's nine to five, but executives are expected to be here at least till six. I was like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, it's just like, that's the thing. That's the thing in their company. Like you have to show, that you're there. And I remember a story that I shared where there was a client of ours in the middle of COVID where they had everybody in the office for the first time. And the one of the sales leaders uh, decided to show up even though she was sick. And I think like part of the reason she showed up is because she wanted to show that she was strong and able. And I think the other reason is because she was like fearful of one, like she was uh, one of the few like females on the leadership team and how that would be like viewed. And also just felt like maybe if she didn't show up, it could negatively impact things. And it turned out up that she actually had COVID and a whole bunch of people got COVID as a result. And, and just how like that whole presenteeism mindset and that like, you know, not willing to be vulnerable could have had, luckily it was just illness for them at the time, but you know, one thing I hadn't thought of when we were talking about, you said, well, you know, luckily, like it didn't result in something far more dire where somebody, you know, got really ill or, or worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think it's, it's interesting. Like, is that something that you've seen in the past that you either had to combat or something you've seen has changed now? Cause I really feel like obviously mm-hmm. with the work from home, it almost shifted without the, the, the companies wanting to, whether or not. And that was something that a lot of companies maybe used as like, you know, this guy's partner material at our firm because he's willing to do that. And maybe now that's been taken away from them and they actually have to make those choices based on other merits, Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, what's coming up for me is that it's all about trust. It's all about trust. You know, I think companies who have high trust in, in their organizations, they don't have these challenges where they 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 feel they need to like see people do the work versus just trust them that they are going to do the work. And it's not about the hours, it's about you know the results that someone you know um, is able to um, produce. And every the thing that we need to understand is that everybody works differently. Some people are morning people, afternoon and evenings, right? And so like for me, I am a morning person. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I probably get really tired around this time, but I'm, don't worry. I'm fine right now and yeah. engaged in our conversations. But like in the afternoon, I've been awake for, for a while. So like if you want my best work, it's going to be, you know, at five o'clock, you know, five to ten, right? Versus in the afternoon, I'm a little bit tired. I'll probably will want to, you know, schedule that visioning session the next day. And I know that about myself, and I think that a lot of people maybe don't know that about themselves or that leaders need to take the time to understand that. And then when you know how people work, then support them, right? We can't be treating people the same, like, across the board. Everyone is unique, and that's the other thing that's come out of this this pandemic, is that we're realizing that people work differently and some people like working from home some people don't and we need to really take the time to understand the base like the actual needs of each individual and almost personalize that experience to get the best for them, like for them to feel their best, but also for us to get the best because it's a partnership. Um, And then we don't have to worry about this, you know, gem feeling like they should just show up and just be there. Because the thing that is too, Brent, there's there's only a certain number of hours that were really productive, right? This eight hour day came from, you know, back in the day from like, you know, Ford you know, manufacturing and all of that, where this is, this is the way it's going to be. It's an eight hour day. And it actually used to be, I think, six days a week. And then it moved to five days a week. And it was like this big re- revolution. Oh, my gosh, we're, we've got weekends. It's, now we've got this other new thing. Maybe it's a four day work week that's most effective for, uh, for all of us. Mm-hmm. But even in some countries, it's six hours maximum, because right. the kind of work that we're doing is different than the factories. Right, We're not right. just like putting parts together and then doing monotonous things. We're like thinking and critical, you know. Like every, you know, and that takes a lot of time, especially being in front of the screen too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff, Lori. I really appreciate you uh, you coming on and joining. And I'm, I, uh, I hope and I know a lot of these points will resonate and hopefully, uh, you know, give some great actionable items for some people, some takeaways, some self reflection. The question I love asking everybody at the end is if there was one thing that like either resonated with you or something that you feels really impactful like if someone was to take one thing away from this I know it'd be hard to pick, but what would be the one oh. thing, one thing that for for you that you'd want to like rehighlight.
1: okay take the time to get to know yourself because mm. only when you know yourself, can you accept who you are? And then you can then really be effective and more giving to others. Cause then it's not about you anymore. It's about them, but you can only do that when you know who you are. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Well, again, thank you so much for joining. I, uh, I really appreciate all your sharing It's some really amazing, impactful stuff. I can't wait to, uh, to share this with our networks.
1: Sounds good. Thanks again, Brent.
0: Yeah, thanks. It's all right. This will all get cut out.